Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Welcome to Culture Fear. I hope you're doing well. Just listening to that intro has made me realise that there's been so many of these podcasts that I'm running out of space for people to say Culture Fear in the intro. I don't know what I'm going to do, to be honest, but I'm sure I'll work it out. But yeah, hope you are well. This week's... This week? I don't know how often I'm doing them, but this episode is with my pal Mary B, and it was an absolute pleasure it was so great and I can't wait for you to hear it so I won't chunter on too much but you know it was great to touch on music and it was great to touch on like so many things but you know in this podcast I don't really get to talk a lot about um, sports I guess and like I absolutely love sports uh, which is a very like weird thing to say I love sports but yeah I do and it was just great to really go into that and like hear about Mary's mentality behind behind it and I find Mary like so inspiring in a lot of ways but especially when I think about the sport like it makes me so it makes me tear up honestly especially when I saw Mary um, win the win, win, win their title um, so yeah this was such a great conversation like I hope that you can take things away from it um, that's all I gotta say enjoy this podcast look after yourself if you enjoy it, tell a friend that you think might enjoy it. But yeah, look after yourself, look after other people. Peace. Hello, Mary. How are you? Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm, I'm okay, thank you. I'm good. Um, yeah, I guess I'd like to like jump in big of like recent Mary. So just before Christmas... Um, I'm right in thinking that you won like a, t- a like a mixed martial arts North America. So this is what I think you've done, but like, I'm really like not sure <laughs> on how this stuff works. So are you the North American champion in your weight at, yeah, in mixed martial arts? Um, well, the discipline is actually Muay Thai. Um, Muay Thai, okay. Which is, you know, for folks not familiar with combat sports it's not super dissimilar from mma um it, it kind of looks like kickboxing you wear boxing gloves like a western boxer but there's kicks knees elbows and a little bit of grappling but it's all standing up so the big difference between muay thai and mma for a lay person is if you fall down then the referee stops the action and you get stood back up okay so for like someone that just like knows sport culture it's like somewhere in between boxing and like mma yeah you could say that yeah to the untrained eye yeah or a lot of people (laughs) you know kickboxing but you can really of course yeah is it kickboxing then uh i think it's a sport in its own right that kickboxing is kind of a westernization of okay um yeah you can really split hairs and go down like such a 
serious wormhole of semantics. Um, yeah. But uh, it's it's the best thing in the world, and I could hold forth, but I'll, I'll circle back to your question, which is, um, yeah, on December 5th, I, I fought um, in Mexico. We, we went to this town called Real del Monte, which is like a little mountain town that I think is like mostly a tourist destination. Okay. It's like for domestic tourists. It just didn't seem like a lot of the other uh, fighters were there and it was international fighters and then Mexican fighters. So the show was kind of promoted like the home team and the away team, even though um, lots of the foreigners were from different gyms and different countries. Um, I fought, I was actually the main event. Um <laughs> Amazing. Which is crazy uh, because, you know, you're warming up in the back. And at first, like everyone who's, you know, all the international fighters, everyone who's fighting in the blue corner or whatever is all back behind the stage with you at the beginning of the show. And then as the show goes on, like they go out, they fight and then they can go watch and enjoy the fight. So you just get it just gets emptier and emptier in that dressing room. <laughs> um. So did you go with anyone else from your gym? Like, So you had your trainer, I'd imagine. Yeah. Was there anyone else from your gym as well? Yeah. I, my trainer, Rami, uh, came with us. And then his nephew, uh, Ahmad, who's a pro fighter and um, one of my favorite pro fighters, also fought. And my teammate, Max Rosario, also fought. And um, his mom and dad came and his little brother. Uh, okay. That was our group. And... Um, yeah, I. Sorry, I'm like bouncing all over the place. There's. Uh, it was such a crazy experience. I the the woman I fought. Her name um, is Valeria Ramirez. Um, she's a strawweight uh, champion at the international level. There's um, an organization called IFMA, and basically, it's the highest level of what's considered amateur Muay Thai. Um, Muay Thai's not in the Olympics, but if they were to be in talks with the IOC about getting the sport there, then this this governing body, um, IFMA, would be the one to kind of get that set up. And their tournaments are basically the, the analog we have for Olympic-level Muay Thai. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so Valeria is actually... Uh, the, the Pan-American gold medalist at our weight class, which is, um, sorry, which is a hundred and between 105, 106 pounds. It's 48 kilos. Um, but my dumb American brain can't really understand kilograms. Um, I'm going to quickly Google while you're talking to see what the British, cause I guess I do stone. Oh so. my God. I love it. Yes. Imperial measurements for, yes. you know, make Good sure. old imperialism. Yeah. So 105. Yeah. Which has us at seven and a half stone, 7.5 stone. Okay. I never knew. There you go. So, and that, that's um a pretty tight, like, that's a, that's quite tight to make, right? To be, I guess you can be any below, right? Can you? I mean... I would be allowed to weigh in lower, but can I 
physically do that? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. Oh. Um, oh, wow. Strong weight is small for my frame. Uh, I um, I like fighting at this weight because I tend to be the, the longer fighter. Like, I'm kind of lanky. And in this past fight, I was able to use my length. Um, like, you know, there's so many different styles that you can opt for, like strategically or tactically. And mine is um, to kind of poke and prod with like long weapons, like jabs and front kicks, and then get out of the way and let them chase me a little bit and come to me and then be ready with body kicks or, or flurries and then make them chase me some more. And Amazing. And were you aware that your opponent like, was going to chase you from like knowing how she fought previously? So this is kind of embarrassing. I, I actually have a really hard time uh, researching my opponents before my fights because like I, I saw her um, tagged in some Instagram post that the, the organization that was promoting these fights, which is the uh, LBTM um they posted a clip of her hitting pads and I, I told myself I would watch it, but I never did. Like, I just, I can't, I'm, oh, so, that's bad amazing. At, I'm so bad at researching my opponents. And I know that it makes sense to, I mean, honestly, watching anybody, you're like, oh, okay, this, this person is not a Terminator. This person is an athlete. They're my size. They do the same stuff that I do in the gym. Like, Maybe they're better than me. Maybe they're not, but they're not this monster. But I, I just let it build up in my head and I let it build and build. And I... Oh, so you don't want to watch just in case you watch and you're like, okay, this, is, this isn't this is going to happen for me. I don't know. It's like a block. It's but like, it's not, I'm going to, I'm happy. Like, I don't care what they're doing. I'm going to beat them on my own game. It's more like, or is it that? Well... My coach has seen, uh, had seen my opponent fight and he, he studies a lot of fighters and he kind of makes it his business to know the who's who for when he's making matches for all of his fighters. Yeah. Um, and one of my former teammates had fought Valeria before and, um, she has a really good reputation. She comes from a really strong gym and, you know, she's a Pan American gold medalist, which is one of the highest achievements you can. Yeah. It's, it's staggering. And so he had an idea that she was going to be um, really aggressive. Um, Mexico has a really rich and storied like Western boxing tradition. Um and so that does tend to translate into the Muay Thai scene there and their Muay Thai fighters tend to be really skilled, uh, really mean boxers. Okay. Um, yeah. So a lot of the things I did, uh, a lot of the things that I trained, I drilled a, a lot of my repetition was dealing with someone who punches really hard and really fast. <laughs> yeah so when you're not looking at their fight that 
like, but your your trainer is like that's just your team like you I mean it's not that you're going in like blind your team is working you and your team are like working to know so like mm-hmm. yeah you know like to a certain extent that you well you know that your trainer is going to be working out on their in their on their own what they want to work on that's like your strengths to push but also like to combat their strengths or to combat their weaknesses absolutely and I think you know just to brag on my trainer for a short bit I think Rami is probably one of the most brilliant trainers in the world but certainly one of the most brilliant trainers in the United States um he's actually the head coach of our national team for IFMA um which means that like all of the American fighters that qualify for the IFMA team, when they travel and compete internationally, it's under his care. Um, So, you know, if they're in Korea for two weeks at a tournament or in Turkey for two weeks at a tournament, he's the one leading group workouts, making sure everyone's taken care of, um, hyping everybody up. Uh, But Rami just has, I mean, there's, there's fundamentals and principles of fighting. So, and it's kind of like um, almost like you would have the fundamentals of making music. So everyone has their own style, but like what works well in what setting he has a really good grasp on. And, um, and he's, he's merciless as a trainer, like the, the training sessions with him leading up to this fight were way worse than the fight itself. (laughs) yes yes but that's that to me that is elite sport isn't it like that's that's what I hear and that's what I think is just so like you know I like there's um I listen to like I love football soccer Mm -hmm. and like I listen to a lot and there's like um Man United were like the, the British and some would say like and at times were like the best team in the world and they and then you hear like the 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 players like after they retire talking and they're like nothing came close to our training during the week when we got to a Saturday and we were playing the other teams like nothing was harder than what we were doing every single day so when it came to an opponent sometimes the main thing was making sure that we were motivated to play against the lesser team that we're going to play against Mm -hmm. that's incredible I mean that's it's so hard because you really have to build that culture into the team over time. You need high level athletes performing at a high level around your athletes to lift them up. You need a coach that's absolutely merciless that will look at someone who's totally shot and tell them to do it harder or do more and have them actually respond instead of just crumple. I mean, that just takes such a particular skill set and it's like you almost you lose your bodily autonomy in this way like you almost it's like a you almost fear your coach or fear failure that you push through like this insane it, this supremely uncomfortable like painful thing over and over <laughs> yeah it's crazy <laughs> but you're also cho- you, like you are choosing to do that as well aren't you of course which i mean yeah which oh wow like honestly it just it takes my breath away it's it just it honestly does I just love like just seeing the and 
I guess I'll say two things right now, but seeing the clips of after you'd won on like Facebook and stuff, it just made me cry. I was just like, this just shows like how incredible like dedication is. And like, you know, I've, I'm, I've maybe I've never been like as close as seeing like someone being able to dedicate and like really, but it shows how incredible like the human body is when it's like paired with like the human mind in a certain way as well. Um, and then the second thing was, it was also funny to me that like in all the videos that you shared, there was like never a like punch laid. It was all you like humbly bigging up your team, <laughs> which I just thought was like, well, that is like Mary to a T. Like, you've just done something that is like pure elite, like the like defining moment of th- what may be for yourself like a defining moment and is what other people from the outside will see as like a defining moment. And you're just like giving props to everyone else. Oh, thanks, Sean. I, you know, I feel like, um, everyone has their own way of, of celebrating and celebrating themselves. And I, I certainly wouldn't, I wouldn't knock it, but, um, posting clips or, or, or highlights where I'm like smashing someone. I mean, I've had it the other way around where I've seen my opponents post a clip of me like on the canvas or, you know, post a picture of me getting like need right in the guts and, I guess, like, in the fight itself, I am kind of a douche. Like, I'm kind of merciless, and I will play mind games. But then afterwards, I don't really have the stomach. Or I guess I – yeah, a teammate of mine made this awesome highlight reel, and and there's some moments that I am so proud of, and I just couldn't bring myself to share it. Because I'm like, ah, it doesn't tell the whole story. Like, you don't see her, like – landing some really good shots on me, just seeing me, like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. 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 That does make total sense. So when I'd like to go back to like when you started fighting or like before you started fighting, I guess when you first like started thinking about, but when do you feel that like you said you you give yourself over like when do you feel that you really like dedicated yourself to fighting um well i i think even growing up martial arts was always the thing that i kept coming back to you know like taking little kitty karate lessons and then you know, my sister and I went to this funny martial arts gym in the West End uh, that had kickboxing and grappling back in late 90s, early 2000s. And I can't even remember the name of it. It's been so long. Um, and then when I was 18, I discovered Muay Thai. Uh, I went to this place called uh, Richmond Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy, and I'm still really good friends with the owners. And um, I started there. I had my first fight there in 2010. Then I decided to move to New York. Um, and I trained at a gym in Chinatown called Five Points. And I had my second fight there, but that wasn't 
until two years later. Um, and after I lived in New York for a couple of years, uh, the cost of living and my quality of life just, <laughs> it wasn't, it's just hard to live in New York. So I moved to Philadelphia and I met my old trainer when I, he was actually working the door at a self-defense show, which is really funny. Mm -hmm. um, but I started to get serious under my old trainer. And that's when I started competing, you know, a couple times a year. And then he opened up a gym and I was coaching there and really active on the fight team for a while. And that I think was when I, you know, sort of slowed down playing in bands, um, started tailoring my work schedule around my training schedule. And uh, I think got really serious about fighting. And then um, almost two years ago, about a, a year and three quarters, I guess, I uh, came over to Rami Elite, which is the gym that I'm at now. Um, and it was a really tough transition for a lot of reasons, but uh, one of the biggest reasons is that Rami is a really tough trainer. Um, uh, like his classes physically are demanding, but he's very frank about what you need to work on and he just pushes in all your weak spots it's almost like if you had like a you know when you go to the dentist and they push on the soft spot on your tooth mm. it's like oh this is so uncomfortable but i know that it's what i need yeah. <laughs> i don't know if that analogy really works um, I, I got a sports massage recently and i think that one is like yeah, where you just yeah no that I think everyone that listens will be able to somewhat make understand what you mean. Yeah, um, that that's kind of that was the the picture. I, I guess it's just I, something about martial arts just keeps calling me back, and you know, for the last month. After my fight in December, um, I took a few weeks off training and now it's hard to get back into it because it's so intense and like the highs are so high and the grind is so uncomfortable that coming back and getting back to work and saying, okay, well, you know, yeah, I did all this stuff and now, if I go to the gym, the celebration's over, and I just have this stone-faced trainer telling me that this thing that I did is slow or not high enough or not hard enough. <laughs> and it's really daunting to get back into the group. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I was under the impression that you retired off that fight, but I must have made that up in my head. Um, I had... Well, I've, I've given it serious thought, like not fighting anymore. Um, and this camp was so hard. I was like really feeling like I never wanted to train like this again. Um, 
you coupled with that, uh, my mom passed away in January. Uh, it's been just, we just passed a year and, um, I, she passed away like right after my second most recent fight and I was getting ready for another one. And I, after that, I just, you know, and coupled with COVID, I just wasn't training as much and kind of taking a step back and trying to figure out what, what I wanted to do. And if it was just momentum or feeling like, well, this is one skill set that I have. And so I have to keep going. I don't know. I've just been working through my relationship to the sport and what I want to do. And I really did think like, Oh, it'll be, I'll feel so relieved with this is the last one. And then when I fought, it was this match. I felt so in control, you know, like some of my fights have felt like I was driving a bumper car, but this one, I felt so present. It was like driving to the grocery store. Like I just knew what to do when, and to have that and then be done is really hard. So it's still kind of a question mark for me. It's a drug. It's so addictive. Like fighting, you just ha- you, you're like, I, I never want to do this again. This sucks. It hurts so bad. I hate dieting. I hate running every day in the cold. I hate how much pain I'm in when I wake up and then you do it. And the night after a fight, even if I lose, I don't sleep because, you know, my body's getting flooded with adrenaline and endorphins. And then by the time I do maybe drift off around three or four, I get about an hour before I wake up because my shins hurt or my (laughs) hands hurt. (laughs) It's like, I, I've never done any hard drugs, but I keep telling people that from the way they describe cocaine use, I'm like, oh yeah, that I feel like I have an slightly analogous experience to that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, euphoria and the euphoria that people maybe chase from taking drugs. Mm-hmm. and it's probably a lot easier to do that than to train for however many years um but um do you feel like so so your body can still like your body can still put yourself you can still train and for another fight and fight like that isn't one of the questions it's just whether you at this point want to for a number of reasons do that Yeah, totally. I mean, I, there's things, I mean, a lot of people get into Muay Thai for fitness and at the outset, like it can definitely make you stronger, healthier. Um, And if I trained like four nights a week ish and ran like three times a week, I would be in incredible shape, but it's when you're training like six days a week and running seven days a week, then you start to just, um, 
it's not sustainable. Yeah. But I can. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I will. <laughs> yeah. So that's so, and when that is happening, so so at the moment is with your trainer and with yourself is it okay let's try and train four times a week and go for free runs and then once you've got a fight booked in you're like okay and now we're going to build because I don't want to be doing it seven days I can't do it seven days a week when we're four months away from the fight we need to have a real plan in place for when we're going to push that so Mm. when that fight is is exactly the peak of my fitness, my fighting, my headspace, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you nailed it. Like, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of when I'm not, it, it's when I'm not all, I have to also not be doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's also interesting to hear because I've never, like, pushed and like being like I've never had a personal trainer and like been to the gym like more than say like at my the most twice a week and I've never ran more than like five times a week um and I'm always thinking well the thing with exercise that is like incredible and like wild to me is that like you always feel the same like because you just you just do more but like you still push your your body at the same. But it's interesting to hear where you're like, I'm still waking up in pain every day, and I'm like, oh, you ne- that never stops. Like you can never do enough work that like that stops. Hmm. I think. Yeah. I mean, you could just you. I think the way you could wake up not in pain is if you are extremely diligent with your recovery. And you yeah. come up with a plan that's reasonable that, you know, climbs and then plateaus and then maybe has like a gentle day of the cycle that, and then maybe climbs and then plateaus. And, um, you know, people who really know their stuff with, uh, you know, like athletic trainers and people who know sports medicine do that, um, it's a lot to know and to be able to coordinate and I've never gotten it together to do that. So I kind of just go the, I guess it's a little old school or a little hard nosed, but it's, uh, do you feel like part of you thrives off of that though? Knowing that you've done like, um, in one, in, uh, my bedroom, I've got this, uh, um, after like the last women's world cup, um, this Brazilian forwards, she retired, but she said like, you know, she was crying and she said like, you know, you cry at the start so you can smile at the end. And I was like, that is, I mean, obviously I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of people have said that, but I was like, I'm fucking writing that down. That is something that I need to remember <laughs> when I'm like, just so easily like going to stop something. Oh, that's absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, I think that there's something about like the way you just are a vessel that gets emptied out that is really addictive. Um, And the way that when you're training like that, there's no ennui of life. You don't have this angst of like, oh, I could do this today or that. It's like you better get your butt up and do your miles so you have enough time to rest before you go into the gym that night and, you know, 
it it takes away all these question marks. So you just you have this focus, and that feels really. I guess it, it's it's not nice, but it's it's there's comfort in it if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, of course, and you know, there, yeah, yeah, that a lot of people push for that structure, don't they? For for whatever reason, mm. so well, and what in whatever way. Um, when you went to your gym, which like two years ago, was that was you like somewhat headhunted and like they were aware of you and wanted you to join the gym and you was aware of that, or were you did you go over and you like I know exactly what you do and I want you to make me in do what I I see your fighters do and I want to be that in like in two years time I want to be the like I want to win the fight in Mexico <laughs> like he did I didn't even picture the two years down the line but it's definitely the latter um my gym produces a lot of high level athletes um there's a lot of pro fighters in my gym and I get to train with them which is hell and super awesome <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I the the culture of the gym is it's really tough uh, there's no, even the kids get it. Um, and it's, it, it produces results. Yeah. Like expectations are high. The work rate is high. Um, not a lot of exceptions or excuses are really tolerated. Um, if you, if you want to compete, I mean, you know, everyone is treated respectfully and you come there of your own volition, but if you want, if you say you want to fight, then you are agreeing to certain ways of being in the gym and, and everyone is held to that standard and it produces results. I mean, the results really do speak for themselves. So I, I just wanted to be better which is kind of an amorphous goal. Um, I never pictured this fight in Mexico. And like when Rami offered it to me, I was super nervous. Uh, And he didn't really even tell me how, like what kind of pedigree my opponent had until right before I got in the ring. He's like, you don't even have to win. You just have to make a statement. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're like, I know you, and you don't say that, so this must mean one thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I guess um, definitely the latter, to answer your question. I was, uh, I I think I'm very proud of what I've accomplished, but in the larger world of Muay Thai, it's still, like, very... no one's I'm not going in any history books or anything like that like I'm I'm decent (laughs) 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 but will people so first off when you say like it's the pan-american title is that the whole of the Americas like what we'd call like north central and south how does that work territory wise (laughs) well um it boxing titles and accolades, uh, combat martial arts titles and accolades are, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of different 
organizations and sanctioning bodies, and each of them have their own titles and their own champions. Um, so some of them are really well regarded. Like maybe you're familiar with the WBC. They have mm. the green belt. Have you ever seen one? Um, I'm I'm not sure if I've seen one. I'm I'm aware of the name. Yeah, so that's probably the most household of all the um, boxing sanctioning bodies. And, and a sanctioning body is just, it's an organization. They train officials to be judges, to be referees. And, uh, you know, they have their own ranking of, of who's who in terms of active fighters. And um, there's a ton of them in boxing and there's a ton of them in Muay Thai. And there's definitely like a DIY element to promoting um well it's called promoting shows and it really is so analogous to promoting like musical shows like punk mm, shows yeah um you have big name promoters that have like big name sanctioning bodies attached to them and then you have uh you know more local shows like oh this show is at the boot and saddle and then you have like really and this is kind of my favorite like really small shows with a lot of newer fighters that'll be in like some like hosted in a gym yeah like, the basement exactly <laughs> the basement show um so there's a lot of promoters out there doing their thing and um my title is uh, sanctioned by this show, like the LBTM. And yes, it's like the North American title. Yes, both of us had, like both uh, myself and Valeria have, like we're a high caliber of athlete, but it's not as though we took every um, high level, like straw weight in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. And had a big tournament like i'm not yeah. trying to play i'm not trying to play down what it is because I, I i wouldn't want to take anything away from anybody but there's so many uh it's just it's hard to say like yeah i'm the best in the whole north america but it, does that make sense like it does yeah and i remember like like finding out where or like speaking to a friend about how like because i remember because i think at the moment maybe like anthony joshua has free free uh belts and i think it's tyson fury has the other one and i was like why is like so and then that someone was explaining you know like like you've just explained there's like different group there's different organizations and i think that like in a way that like when i think well when when anyone really thinks of like english like soccer you mm. think of like the football association that runs that and that is just seen as that is how it is and like mm. this and then it's bigger and then it's like european wide uefa worldwide fifa but i think like for when i like think of when i heard about that with boxing it made me think of like sometimes it's so easy to see the world as like it is what it is and these like juggernauts of like organizations like they're there and that is like an organic thing that is there but with there being so with i guess i thought boxing but like fight maybe it's just fighting in general um there being so many different it made it's like a really good example of how like 
the world is like the world is made up of things that are like are made up and they really <laughs> matter but also like they don't fucking matter at all like it's all it's only like the emphasis that we put in it and <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense to you but I was just like this really shows me that the world is just like anything that the world is right now it doesn't actually need to be like that and it can change <laughs> yeah like this title means so much to me and it means so much to my team and it meant so much to my coach but I'm also like nobody outside of Muay Thai and maybe not even like everyone inside of Muay Thai knows what the LBTM is yet or maybe never. You know what I mean? Like it, it means the world to me, but it's like you're exactly what you said. Like it is that. Yeah. There's so many, there's more than just the juggernauts, but and I am not a juggernaut myself. But is someone could is and could someone come to you and say, "I want that belt off you"? Like that is a belt I want, and I would love to. Like I want to. I'm going to contact your gym and I'm going to try and set up a fight for that title. Um. Yeah, I think that would be more like the organization would yeah. say, "Hey, we want you to defend this belt on our next show because." you know, like the audience liked you, like we got some, we got, it generated some interest. Like this would be, you know, we would love to have you back to Mexico to defend your title on this show. Um, and yeah, like if it was a different sanctioning body, like say we fought for a WBC title, which is a total pipe dream of mine. And then, you know, that could be on another show that was, sanctioned by the WBC and somebody could contact me or my coach and be like, Hey, look, you know, we want, we want to make this fight with Mary. Like let's make it happen on such and such show. And like in March, in April, you know, and let's do it for the title. And then my coach would sort out the details, you know, how many rounds, what weight, et cetera. That's, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me, honestly. Um, it's so cool there is a broader question this this is quite a big question that like you may not have given thought to or you may not have like i don't have an answer to this question i mean and but like when it comes to fighting and boxing and there's a lot of other things that i see i can see people respond who's like sometimes it's people's opinion that i really like respect or like sometimes i just see it a lot where it's like I can't believe these people are watching boxing. That is hyper masculinity to like, if you're like, if you want to look up hyper masculinity in the dictionary, (laughs) you're going to see a picture of a boxer where, yeah. yeah, I mean, what uh, do you have a thoughts about that? I mean, I think I love masculinity. Like, I, there are many forms of it that I absolutely adore. And, you know, also I love, I love a good dose of like a Vin Diesel, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like <laughs> hyper-masculinity. That's a different thing. Like what I don't like is when it's this hideous thing that's, you know, ooh, we talk about toxic masculinity and it's not like I can riff on it with a ton of authority, but it seems like people get the gist of what that is. But it, like the way that, combat sports can do masculinity is like too 
you know, for, for as best as we can, equally matched bodies testing their skill against one another in like a controlled environment. Like that's like, you know, it's more than just, you know, beefcakes, like, you know, stomping around and like, it's, it's, it's two people testing their spirit and their mind and their bodies. And and that is like, it's just, to me, that's cool. And I think it's really moving to people for so many reasons. And I think that's one of the moments that I really treasure that that line that masculinity can take, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, def- yeah, definitely. Yeah, amazing. That is, um, yeah. Um, so when I, la- I think the last time that I, that we hung out, if I'm correct, was like at your house in Philly. And this might've been like four years ago, just off the top of my head. And at the time, you just released a Mary and the Small Emissions record. Um, you just released a record playing bass in a hardcore band with Jared that I can't remember oh, the name yeah. of. Enamel. Enamel. No, sadly. <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, maybe it was like the week or the month that I was there was like just as it came out and like people, you were like, wow, people are talking about this record. I might have to leave this band because it seems like people really like this band in Russia. I actually did. I went to Thailand for two months and I was like, yeah, you guys, oh, someone else is playing bass. Are they enjoying themselves? But I mean, I, I did have such a fun time, but I think Jared and I were both on the same page of like, yeah, let's play loud music in a basement in a totally non-committal way. And the other folks were like, hey, we worked really hard on this. We're kind of taking it seriously. And I was like, oh, I feel bad. <laughs> it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I was just kind of time poor, you know? Yeah, yeah. I guess if I guess you didn't need to have that conversation of like, what are our priorities or what are our like, what are we do- doing with this band? Come and on, then... punk! What are we just gotta do all this processing? <laughs> and um, I also remember at the time, I think we, I was, I think um, we spoke about self defense, and you were like, yeah, I'm not sure. I think we're re- there's a re- rec- we're recording a record soon, and I'm just weighing up like if the time I want to put in is like for a tour that's around that time or for to go and record. And it became clear to me at that point that like you were like, I've, I have like two weeks where I don't train a year. And like one of them I, w- I would like to give to self-defense family, but I'm like trying to weigh up whether it's recording or whether it's like doing this tour. And I was like that, I was like, Mary's like fully like in like, that's so cool that like <laughs> the priority is like fighting. Yeah, I mean, the window of time that you have to be a competitive athlete is small. Um, and now I, I really miss it. I, I I miss playing music and, you know, I've played in self-defense for so long. Those guys, like, they're like, oh, God, I feel so corny saying this. But they are like family. Like, they're like my annoying brothers. And I'm like, oh, 
I miss you so much and I'd love to be around you. And then after about five days, I'll probably get peeved at like some weird thing that you're doing. And then I'll be like, oh, but isn't it so nice just like be around and, 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 you know, watch movies together and like play music and have meals. And I always get so inspired by them. Oh, I miss it. Um, but yeah, I don't, I think that must've been right before I went to Thailand for two months and I wound up, we recorded, uh, the album, have you considered punk music? Like right before I left and we did it over my birthday. So it was like my 29th, 28th, something birthday. (laughs) And, uh, uh, we booked some studio time and I, Honestly, I, I really only, like, I didn't have much as much presence on this record. Um, I think because I try to do too much, like cram in a recording uh, session and then leave the country for two months. But I love how it turned out. And that's the last time we recorded as a group. And yeah, I, I, I miss it. I would, I would love to get, like three, four solid days of, of doing work with them. Uh, maybe once everyone's inoculated or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, at that time, you'd released the Smeri and the Small Emissions record, which, um, yeah, I guess is just a record that, like, I always seem to come back to. Like, I, like I might go a little while and then I'm like, oh, listen, and it's just so great. I really, <gasps> really love like both records but especially um is it white rabbit that the song's on is that the second record yeah the second one i um i made that at the house that you visited uh i was like freshly uh heartbroken and my friend steve price who i met from uh him being a big self-defense fan came up and we just like worked for like a week straight in that uh dirty little basement and yeah those songs they're all over the place too I'm like I listen back to I'm like what on earth but I'm really glad that they have staying power for you um I I don't know like I think I played like two or three live shows but playing by myself or even with um, sometimes my, my friend Dan will play like, uh, an, as an accompanist with me. It's so nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that must be pretty, like, feel pretty naked up there. Like, yeah, just by yourself. Usually, especially if you're used to performing with like Patrick <laughs> and Benny and, you know, Chris has his long hair, like Mark, Kai, everyone, all these like really talented musicians around me that have big, big presence, Mm. I can kind of like do my thing or just kind of hang back. But but when you're by yourself, you don't, you know, you have to do the answer. Yeah, I guess I never thought about that. But yeah, I guess with such a like band with like so many members that have such a presence, that gives you the opportunity to choose minute by minute whether you want to push your personality or you can just like, yeah, hang back and just let other people do whatever they're feeling. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the cool thing about doing Mary and the small emission, because I think over the years, like I figured out 
where like where I fit in in the songwriting process for self-defense and it 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 like ebbs and flows it changes right but I kind of have a sense um and then doing the Mary and the Small Mission thing is freeing but also really tough because I'm like oh where do I start usually someone usually Benny comes to the table with like these riffs or you know Alan has like this idea of like this song that he wants to kind of play off of and and was troubled sleep maybe easier in a way because you had those relationships already in place like songwriting rather than it just being yourself and someone else giving you pointers of your songs it was like we've already like yeah I haven't thought about that band in so long but yeah uh that one I mean that was mostly like Benny and I would write the riffs and then like as we played together more all four of us like Rachel Eric Benny and I would write together which was really fun um and I got at first oh my god I had such a tough time coming up with lyrics I was like I don't know what to say (laughs) I, I like the idea of fronting a band but I don't know how or you know everyone like how people write these like heartbreaking beautiful clever enchanting lyrics and I'm like this is tough but then I took some of the pressure off and I certainly don't think I've written anything enchanting or heartbreaking but I I had a good time (laughs) yeah are you have you been thinking about have you been playing music recently like by yourself or thinking about things that you want to do or anything like that of late or is it are you like or does fighting like encapsulate everything and that's where you want to be when you're fighting or is there other things in life that are taking your downtime i mean the last 18 months or so has been really tough like my mom got sick and then she passed away and then um like the pandemic uh, it's just been really stressful. I, my partner's a healthcare worker, so I'm just, I've been really stressed out and I've been having like a lot more instances of just feeling depressed and feeling anxious. And I, I, I haven't been making music. Um, you know, I, I would like to come back to it and I just rearranged like my computer amp set up to hopefully like give me some like open up some maybe blocked energy in the house so maybe I'll kind of gravitate towards a keyboard or guitar or something but I just like you know when I was making those Mary and the Small Emission songs it was just pouring out of me like it's just like I can't record this fast enough and now I'm kind of I I don't know like I guess it ebbs and flows and I'm trying not to be too hard on myself or anything. I, I just haven't been up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned your mom. Do you feel like fighting has its place in the grieving process? Absolutely. Um, well, I think that Muay Thai, when my mom was sick, she had a, 
she had a terminal disease called uh, COPD. Um, it's like a respiratory disease. Um, and she, it's like confusing because uh, she like, she outlived her prognosis, but then seemed good. And I don't know. Um, so Muay Thai like training was like a mental health buoy for me, like a emotional health buoy. And I, you know, she was living kind of far away. So it was, I, anytime I had like a three day weekend, I, before the pandemic, I was working two jobs and training, but anytime I had time, I would go hang out with her and I talked to her a lot. Um, my commute to the gym is about an hour. So I would call her either driving there or on the way home, or sometimes we would like talk on the way to the gym and then, you know, put a pin in it. And then I'd call her back and we pick up on that thread. Um, and then I was supposed to fight about a little less than two weeks, um, when she died. And I, you know, I pulled, I, I pulled out of that fight cause I was, uh, didn't even feel like I was on planet earth at that point. Yeah. But, um, then I just didn't know, like, if I wanted to fight again. And part of the reason this last win was like so emotional is because it's like coming off a big loss um, in the ring, and then you know, kind of reevaluating like what I want to do with my life, having this like really tangible, like confronting. <laughs> the finite nature of life and the time that you're given. Uh, yeah. I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep fighting and I don't know, like sometimes I would be in the gym uh, and I wouldn't want to be training. Like I just didn't want to be there. And I would tell myself like, look, you chose to come here and like be in Philadelphia and train. You could like go and, and like be with your mom, but you chose to be here. And so like, then I could kind of like bite down on my mouthpiece and get the work done and like get my attitude right. Um, and, you know, my coach, Rami, um, for as much of a hard ass as he is, like after my mom died, he checked in on me in, in like a really caring way and at certain different like intervals like just like you know if I wasn't in the gym for a while he would give me a hard time or like you know on my birthday he wrote me and was like just wanted to make sure you were having a good day and I'm like uh I think it was easier for him than even like you know even for my dad to reach out and like I am I'm close with my dad but he and I don't really talk about like my mom's death and yeah, so having the, the, the built-in community at the gym and like having Rami, that was a big part. Um, now I'm just like trying to figure out like basically I try like to do everything that I try to do is um, it's like, well, what? what would like make my mom happy. And that's like, if I live authentically and, and make 
hard choices and, and do cool stuff. Like she'd be happy I was making music or she'd be happy I was traveling. Um, or she'd be happy that if I like chose to fight and that meant that I wasn't as like economically secure, but that I pursued something I really loved. I'm just trying to get to the heart of it and figure out like, if that's what I really want, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it sounds like she'd be really happy that you're having, you're asking these questions and at some point you'll get to your answers. I think so. I mean, she was such a cool lady. She changed careers a bunch of times. Um, when I was born, she was a horseback riding instructor, but she was also like a radio disc jockey. Um, and she like worked at like crap stations and then finally worked her way up to being at her dream station, which was this like alternative station in DC called WHFS. Um, you talk to anyone who grew up in the DC, like Maryland area. And they'll be like, Oh my God. Like HFS was huge. That's so um, sick. So, so sick. is that where like, so, and like an, an alternative DJ, like, there must have just been music like everywhere that like it must have just been yeah everything yeah i mean she she was like maybe just a tiny bit more uh, in the baby boomer camp than like the other jocks who are like Gen Xers but they would invite her to go see like bad brains and Iggy pop and stuff and what era yeah. was this late 80s wow that is so <laughs> sick yeah and you know she was like all over the map in terms of her music taste she knew a lot so you're like oh i'll listen to this self-defense family song and then she's like i've fucking heard lungfish what the fuck do you think i'm gonna get from this (laughs) i don't know know if she ever went like super down the punk rabbit hole she was more into like rock and roll oh cool Um, uh, or, you know, I mean, she loves like Motown and soul. Um, she's like a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. Like, I, that's what I mean. I'm like, she was a little, little more on the baby boomer edge of like those musical, um, like leanings. Yeah. Um, but I guess she, she really liked Henry Rollins. We went to see him do a uh, spoken word one time and she was so jazzed. <laughs> that's so cool i remember playing rollins band and you know 1990 or something i don't know and like i'd imagine like listening to rollins who like prides himself on being a music nerd he probably spent hours listening to your mum talk about the records that she was just about to play maybe so i mean if he was up for meg in the morning then yeah, maybe he heard her on his commute somewhere or something. Yeah, yeah. Because cause what era was she um, the disc jockey in the morning? Um, in At HFS, that would have been like late 80s. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess he might have left DC by that point. I mean, he must have. But yeah, that's, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, you know, that uh, radio had this moment where it was like almost could have been so cool. And then, you know, radio stations get bought and sold and become like pop country stations or like salsa stations. And I'm not knocking that, but uh, 
the industry got so tumultuous for that she's like, oh, I'm going to go back to school and finish my bachelor's. And then she got her master's and started teaching English at VCU, which is like the big college in Richmond. Oh, amazing. So like what a role model to when you're saying like, she just would like me to follow my like authenticity. Like, so when your mum like did this, her like dream job and when, and then realized after a certain point when that was like taken away with maybe the selling and buying and the moving of like that record, like, sorry, that um, radio station and stuff was like, I need to, like, I'm going to carry on finding my authenticity. Yeah. Cause she was really talented. She wrote short stories and she was a poet and uh, yeah, super smart. Like probably one of the smartest people I've ever known. Yeah. um, She taught at VCU for a couple of years and, yeah, she then she went on and did a lot of other weird stuff. Like, <laughs> uh, I inherited half of her um, vintage costume jewelry collection, which she bought and sold on eBay. Which that's its whole own universe of like weird and beautiful stuff. And she could look at a piece and be like, "Oh yeah, this is like from the '30s. It's this company called Juliana. They were from like Connecticut or something, and these type of metals and." this type of backing is significant because of da-da-da. So, uh, you know, she never really knew financial stability, but she, no one could accuse her of being boring. <laughs> yeah. She was like, I'm going to do something to the point of expertise in like everything that I love. Yeah, basically. <laughs> That's what a life to have lived. That is everything right. that you, well, everything that me growing me thinking in the last few years is like that's everything that I've been thinking that's what I kind of need to do to feel yeah I think that with every yeah I believe that with every kind of um well maybe with like my period of like you said that you've been feeling down like my period where I'm like could call it I was like I'm gonna call it a breakthrough rather than a breakdown and it was just like find that authenticity and I think yeah like it just sounds amazing that your mum was just able to like constantly stay on that track of like when finding it and then maybe it moved over and it was like okay well I can find something else yeah I mean the way I, I feel like the way we live is so full of contradictions right like everyone's like oh yeah follow your dreams, but also like make money and, and be secure. And the punishment for not doing that is it's harsh. Like you, you live in this insecurity. I don't know. It's, it's not easy to figure out, but I'm glad that like, I don't know, like I'm glad to hear you say like breakthrough as opposed to breakdown, but it's okay to also get a little broken down oh for sure it's only like looking back at it that i'm like okay cool now it can be called a breakthrough because i got through (laughs) i love it i love it i mean i think it's worth it i don't know beats the alternative (laughs) (laughs) this is a great conversation like i didn't know we were gonna get so heavy no but um yeah i hope that that's okay and it feels comfortable i guess of course i did most of the talking so be weird if it wasn't okay (laughs) 
Um, I, I guess to change tack a little bit, because um, I don't want to keep you all day, but um, <clears throat> I know that um, you've been spending time uh, editing your your partner has a podcast, which I think is like we've I guess is like really focusing on something that we've spoken about a lot really which is like finding up your place and like really pushing like for like something that you like find that you love and like pushing yourself through it which is like so it's like the worth it podcast right yeah would yeah you, would you be able to just explain that because I know that you're like a smaller part but like a part of that absolutely I would love to um yeah, uh, my partner Pri and our friend Sarah host it, and it's because um, they're both huge jocks. Uh, they love working out and trying different types of sports, and and really found their athleticism through Muay Thai after like years of not really considering themselves athletes, or maybe never. Um, so the podcast is mostly for you know, mostly featuring guests. Uh, of color and uh, gender oppressed folks. So, you know, basically not cis white dudes. Mm, um, yeah. And yeah, the, we've had some really wonderful, insightful guests on. Um, I am a huge, like, I love an uplifting sports story. Uh, you know, like, give me any sports movie um, or hearing about someone like discovering their sport, falling in love with it, um, becoming, you know, having this hard moment, like getting jaded, getting back into it, like adjusting their expectations, uh, you know, shifting their relationship. We've had, um, you know, a dragon boater, a marathoner, um, some hikers, some lifters, um, some weight lifters, some power lifters, which there's a distinction that I learned about. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had Kai, which was such a delight. Uh, she talked about playing soccer. Yeah, that was beautiful. Um, oh, you you listened to that one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. Definitely. I'd probably listen to Kai asleep if that came out <laughs> as a podcast. <laughs> oh, no. it's a, it has two subscribers. You <laughs> <laughs> for sure <laughs> five stars um but yeah worth it uh just like taking a look at people's journeys in athleticism and you know uh taking a look at their own relationship to being athletes and considering themselves athletes um especially in considering how many athletic spaces um aren't just like white dominant um, and aren't just split up by class, but kind of assume a certain class and assume whiteness. So um, kind of taking that and turning it on its head or like examining it and being like, yo, what the fuck? Um, yeah. I, I feel super honored to be able to, sit in on the interviews and then and edit them and and help like put the little podcast out into the world for you know interested listeners there you go there is my conversation with mary b i hope you loved it as much as i did 
now you know where you can listen to more amazing podcasts worth it podcast this song is called rabbit mask it's by mayor in the smaller missions hopefully catch you soon take care